You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. May 1st at 6 p.m., the Isaacs will be with us. You can get tickets at jccwb.org slash Isaacs or call the general office. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. Amen. It's good to be in the house. It's good to be in the full pit again. Amen. I'll tell you what's even almost as good. I'm, I spent about 10 or 12 days in a recliner after the surgery, and praise God, I'm back in the bed. Amen. I want to share with you this morning, I appreciate all the cards and all the prayers. I have a spike here in my hand, a, a railroad spike, a nail. Could there be a promise in that nail? And a promise is only as good as the person that is making the promise. I know you was just seated and I, sh- I should have had you remain standing, but out of reverence, if you're able, would you stand for the reading of the word of God this morning? The title of the message is God's Promise in the Nails. And I want to read to you out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. And I'm going to read it first out of the King James Version. And then I'm going to read it again out of the Phillips. So out of the King James, it says, blotting out the handwriting. Somebody say handwriting. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now let's look at this Phillips translation. Same verse. He has forgiven you all your sins. Pastor Aaron, would you have Miss Mary ready to pray? He has forgiven you all, somebody say all, All. your sins. He has utterly wiped out the written evidence of broken commandments, which always hung over our heads and has completely, somebody say completely, annulled it by nailing it to the cross. Miss Mary, would you bless the reading of the word? Father, we come to you this morning thanking you and praising you today for your love toward mankind that you would send your son Jesus Mm -hmm. to bear our sins on Calvary, to be nailed and to make the promises, God, that's true. Father, you're not a man that you should lie, but God, Mm -hmm. every promise that's in this book today, Father, we can stand upon. Mm -hmm. Father, we know today, God, that you are the God that never fails. We ask you this morning, Lord, for my pastor, Lord. I pray today for the unction of the Holy Spirit to move through him and in him, God. I pray, Lord, as he brings the word, God, Mm -hmm. that for conviction would fall in this house 
house through the Holy Spirit, I pray. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work that only you can do. God, that souls would be saved for your kingdom, we pray. We ask you, God, to walk up and down these aisles. I thank you again today, Lord, for the blood applied. I thank you today, God, that one day, Lord, you applied that blood to my life. And God, that I'm headed toward heaven. God, not a devil's hell today, but heaven. And I thank you and I praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's go home. You may be seated. Listen to my heart today. I have not prepared for perfection and I have not prepared to impress you because I would fall short. But I have prepared and prayed that through this word, that the Holy Spirit will walk up and down the aisles of this place today and will touch your hearts and change your lives. Now out of the King James Version and at verse 14, blotting out the handwriting. I want you to note the word handwriting. It actually here in this text means a legal note. It is a list of charges against man. So man should sense the wrong that he has done. It is his violation of God's law that condemns him to eternal death. There is not a one of you that want to experience eternal death away from God. Or you would not even be here today no matter who you came because they invited you. Only a sense and acknowledges at if you've got the senses of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and acknowledge our transgressions will ever be turned to God and to save us. And the only way we can be saved is if the Spirit of God draws us. And as we already heard, not by a note, not by a guitar lick, but by the Spirit of God will change your life. If you believe that, give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. God has provided a way. God has provided a way for the law and the list of charges against us to be removed. And there is only one way. And his name is Jesus. It's the only way that you and I will ever enter heaven. So I wanna give you a little illustration. If you're building a new home, a brand new home, and you have this home built and wow, it, it looks great from the curb. And you swing by every day and you're watching it being built and it looks great. It looks perfect until you move in. And then you move in and once you take up residence, you start noticing some flaws, some problems, some mistakes. They were unnoticed until you moved in. Once you took up residence in your place, you begin to see every flaw. So you approach your builder and your builder says, make a list. So you go home and you get your legal pad and your pen and you walk through the house and you begin to make a list of all the problems 
looking at the list of the builder's mistakes should and hopefully cause us to think about God making a list of our problems and a list of our faults and our mistakes and the sin that is in our life. After all, hasn't he taken up residence? Once he moves in, you see what I'm saying? And if he's not taking up permanent residence in your life, he can today before you leave. So if we can see the flaws in our house, imagine what God sees in us. And when I said us, I meant me and you. So if we can see these flaws in our own house, and this is a temporary house in which we live in for a time, when God moved in, God began to notice all the flaws in my life. See, reading from Romans 3 and 23, for all, somebody say all. Look at your neighbor and say neighbor. That means you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his what? Grace. Through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, though the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. My, my, my. Can you imagine the list that God has compiled? Your list and my list, just as an example to try to illustrate the house. How about the door hinges to your prayer room? Have they grown a little rusty? Are they broken down just a tad? Are they underused, what's the Bible say? To know to do right and not to do it is sin. So in 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for what? For all men. Pray for all men. How's your prayer life? this morning on this Easter resurrection morning. Pray for all means the high and it means the low. Means the educated and the uneducated. Means the rich and the poor. Means the friend and the enemy. This is an exhortation to pray, which means it is both an encouragement but also a charge. So just another illustration, comparing to a house, what about the stove? Is the stove of jealousy in your home? Is it overheating? Somebody shared with me they, they was making a cake yesterday and, and, and they, they put it in the oven and the heating element broke and they looked at me and said, I, I kept my cool. That was just yesterday. I didn't get too excited. I was thinking to myself, and you're probably here this morning, if that's all that excites you, gets you wound up, is your cake getting raised? Maybe you need another trip to the altar. I probably shouldn't have said I'm going to get an email today. <laughs> James 3 and 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. Now I just remembered who said that to me yesterday. Just came to my mind and you are here this morning. I love you, honey. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I'm in deep right now, ain't I? Oh man, how, where am I gonna go now? 
James, we get heated by jealousy. Jealousy. I wonder if there's any jealousy in your life. Somebody got the lead part on the song this morning, but you didn't. Pastor shook so-and-so's hand when they was leaving, but he walked right by me. Jealousy. James 3 and 16, for where jealousy and self-ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. Every evil. We don't want no disorder in this house of God. Do you hear me? We want to be unified. We want to celebrate each other's victories. We want to exhort and lift up and encourage each other. Give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. One more illustration as far as a house. What about your basement or your cellar? Is it cluttered with secrets? Secrets. Jesus said in Luke 8 and 17, for nothing, somebody say nothing. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Secrecy is impossible. And from that one verse, there is three things that we can learn. One, men try to hide things. We try to hide the sin in our lives. We try to hide the shame. The second thing we learn, men think they will never be found out. Never. The third thing, Christ said, nothing, not a single thing will be hidden forever. So this morning on this resurrection, why don't you clean out your basement, so to speak? Because what is done in the dark will come out in the light. And there will be that list of shame and pain and guilt. The list of our weaknesses. Would you like to see your list? You would rather see my list. How about your list, honestly? Would you like for your list to be made public? How would you feel if your list was posted high so that everyone, including Christ himself, could see your list? Can I tell you that it was? There's a list of my failures, my sin, my shame, but there's also a list of yours. Christ has chronicled our shortcomings. There is a record of events of our sin, our shortcomings in our life. And yes, that list has been made public, but you'll never see it, and neither have I. This morning, I want you to come with me to the hill of Calvary, and I'll tell you why nobody's read your list. The soldiers, they shoved Jesus to the ground, and they stretched his arms against the beams. It wasn't a pretty sight, but you see that arm and that hand as a soldier shoved him to the ground, driving a spike into his hands and his feet. Could not of Jesus, could he not have stopped it? We read earlier in Matthew 28 and 18, and Jesus came and spoke unto them saying, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. All 
power. With a flex of the biceps, with a clench of the fist, he could have resisted, but he what? He left his hands open. Is this not the same hands that stilled the sea? In Matthew chapter eight, verse 24, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, why are you so fearful? O ye of little faith, then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was what? A great calm. Can I, I don't like going down rabbit trails, but I like to just stray away from that for just a moment. Here's a point I want to bring out of just this two or three verses. The disciples failed to see they were experiencing fear because of little faith. You need to hear me, Jewel City. You have got to have a foundation. If you do not have a foundation, I'm not speaking of a Sunday morning experience with the choir and with the pastor. I'm talking about a personal relationship and an encounter with God Almighty and the foundation is laid and then it begins to grow. A foundation will bring faith. So how is your faith today? Is it little or is it great? They were not sure that Christ was aware of their desperate need, but he was. So maybe you came in here today and you're not confident that Christ is aware of your need and the storm that you are in and you feel like he's asleep. Maybe he's waiting on you to wake him up, to call out his name. Just as he is aware, was aware of their needs, he's aware of ours. He said in Matthew 28 and 20, lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. Hebrews 13 and five, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I wanna encourage somebody this morning that God knows exactly where you are at and what is going on in your life and God will never leave you and God will never forsake you and all you need to do is call on the name of Christ and he will wake up and he will calm your storm. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Speaking of the hands, he did not clench his hands at the cross. Is this not the same hands that cleansed the temple? And I wanna share with you out of John chapter two, verse 13 in the Jews' Passover was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the, the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of a small cords, uh, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and, and, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables, the hands that remained open we talk about, well, God is a God of love, and, but, but, and, but God is a God of wrath also, and, and God's hands are mighty. But even after this, at the cross, the hand never clenches. At the cross, the moment is not aborted. 
At the cross, the mallet still rings and the skin still rips at the cross. The hands, the mallet. When I hear that, it grieves me. What grieves me is the way we're still living. After he gave it all, Anthony, for us. Not to get cleaned up and wear a new outfit on Easter, but to live a life that will give God glory. The blood began to drip. Then it began to rush. The question is that I have, why, Indy, did he not resist? Why did he leave his hands open? Well, the question has been asked and most would answer, because he loves us. Yeah, that's right. John 15 and 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That is true, but it's only partially true. There is more to his reason that he didn't clench his fist. He saw something that made him stay. He saw something that would not allow him to close his hands. He saw a mallet. He saw the nail, the spike. He saw the soldier's hand, but he saw something else. He saw the hand of God. As he looks and he sees the hand of God, he's God and his hand remains open. He did it because he loved us, but he did it because he's seen the hand of God. Long fingers of a woodworker, callous palms of a carpenter. So it appeared common. These fingers were anything but common. He saw the hand, the very hand that formed Adam out of the clay. Genesis two and seven, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life and man became a living soul. God took his hand and formed man from the dust of the ground. Physically, we are nothing more than lowly and base dirt. Every person is made of the same substance of the dust of the ground. No person has any more value than anyone else. I don't care where you live, what you drive, what you've got in your checking, you have no more value than anyone else. God loves and made each one of us. You may come in here today and you are insecure, you are hurt, you are lonely, you may feel like taking your own life, but I'm telling you, God loves you, God formed you, God knows where you're at and God cares. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are valuable. His hands, we're speaking about the hands of God. As he looked over and he refused to clench his fist because he's seen the hand of God, the very hands that furrowed truth in the tablets. 
Exodus 31 and 18, speaking of the Ten Commandments, and he gave unto Moses. And when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the fingers of God. Think about the hands of God. With the hand of God was the wave of the Red Sea. From this same hand flew the locusts that plagued Egypt. Look at this here. It's amazing. Can you imagine just from the hand of God, God could open up his hand and millions of millions of locusts would swarm upon Egypt. What could God do if he stretched forth his hand to you and to your family, to your neighborhood? Hey, give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. The hand of God is mighty. I said it's mighty. I believe God is able to do all things. I'm telling you, God comes and he shares vision in the middle of the night with me. And when he does, I don't question him because God is able to do all things. Uh, some 50 years ago or more, you're standing where you're sitting this morning. This was a garbage dump in here. But God was able to come in and clean it up. And you know what? I was a garbage dump uh, at one time in my life. And God showed up with his mighty hand and cleaned me up. Has he cleaned anybody? up at Jewel City. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. The hand of God is mighty. I want you to hear the psalmist in Psalms 44 verse 2. You drove out the nations with your hand. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, the hands of Jesus. John 10 and 28, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Stand with me this morning, would you please? Look at your neighbor as you're standing. Say, that means nothing. The crowd at the cross. There was a crowd at the cross that day, and they concluded that the purpose of the pounding was to attach the hands of Christ and his feet to the beam but they were only half right. Pay attention, I know people, the choir's moving around. Pay attention to me, I don't want you to miss this, all right? They were only half right. They, at that time, Andy, they couldn't see it, but Jesus could and heaven could. And you and I can this morning. Through the eyes of the word of God, we see what others missed at that cross but what Jesus saw. Now I'm gonna read the opening scripture from another translation, the New Living Translation. Colossians chapter two, verse 14. He canceled the record of my charges against us and took it away by what? By nailing it to the cross. Between his hand Why didn't he clench his hands at the cross? Between his hands and the wood was a list of my sins, of your sins. A long list of our mistakes, selfishness, envy, murder, lies, gluttony. They could have left that one out. Gossip. And that list, as he looked over, Lenny said, I can't close my fist. 
a list of our faults and a list of our failures. And this list, these mistakes, these sins are covered once you come and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. This list of sins are hidden. Isaiah 43 and 25, I, even I, am him that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. I had you stand this morning because sometimes it gets your attention. And I ask you to stand there for a few seconds. And sometimes the most difficult person to be honest with is yourself. What's on that list in your life that you need the Lord to cover? that you need forgiveness of. David in Psalms 51, verse one, and then I'll read verse nine. David prays for the Lord to what? Blot out his sin. I ask you, have you prayed that prayer? Verse one, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. David wasn't pointing a finger at somebody else. Then in verse nine, he said, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. The Hebrew word translated blot out in Psalms 51 means to abolish, means to destroy, means to erase, means to utterly wipe away. So in verse one, the appeal to God to blot out sin is based on God's mercy and God's unfailing love. What if we wasn't concerned this morning of how we looked? What if we was not concerned about our new outfit and impressing everybody else and was only just concerned about the list and God blotting out that list? In verse nine, excuse me, in verse two, wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. Although David had committed sin with Bathsheba, he said he sinned against God. When we sin, we sin against God. All sin hurts us and it hurts others, but ultimately it offends God because sin in any form is a rebellion against God's way of living. In verse nine, God's blotting out sin is linked to David's request. He'll never blot your sins out until you make the request. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The picture is that of our sins are recorded in a heavenly book. So who's the bookkeeper? The bookkeeper is God. Think about this. Dangling from the cross is an itemized catalog of our sins. Like a list of the mistakes in our new home that we gave our builder. However, that list God has made cannot be read. <laughs> Some people still want to remember my past. 
Oh, you pastor Jewel City? Well, I remember when, yeah, I know. I remember too, okay? But I'm not that same person no more. Because God had a list of my sins and he refused to clench his fist and he nailed it to the cross. If you're happy God nailed yours to the cross, give him a hand clap of praise. Again now, Colossians 2 and 14 in the Phillips, he has forgiven you of all of your sins. He has utterly wiped out the written evidence of broken commandments, which always hung over our heads and has completely annulled it by nailing it to the cross. This is why he refused to close his fist. He saw the list and he knew the price of your sins and my sins were death. As the hands of Jesus opened for the nail, the doors of heaven opened for you and I. Now you may be seated. And please, pay close attention to this video. When I was 18 years old, these hands picked up drugs when I was lost. These hands led to addiction in a mind that I couldn't break free from. It was these hands that led me to prison. I hit rock bottom with these hands. These hands served in the United States Army and fought in the Middle East. These hands held on to mental wounds that were harder to see than obvious physical scars. These hands pushed my family away and allowed these unseen scars to destroy my marriage and relationships with my kids. These hands held on to fears from generations of numerous suicides in my family. These hands were only moments from taking my life. These hands were cuffed in facing felony charges. These hands couldn't feel the touch of my children because I had lost custody of them. How was this my reality? It was these hands that burnt bridges with family and friends with no promise of restoration. I couldn't see past all my failures with these hands.
<laughs> I'm getting there. He's so good. <laughs> but his hands have offered me the free gift of salvation. His hands led me out of prison. His hands have given me joy and the ability to hope for a better future. His hands have given me the ability today to serve him and be free. His hands saved my life after numerous years of wanting to take it. His hands have healed wounds that seemed impossible to heal. His hands have established a relationship with the mother of my children. His hands have also restored the relationship with my children. His hands has placed other combat veterans within our church congregation that went through the same experiences as me. Thank you for walking through this journey with me. His hands have allowed me to speak life unto others, to love him like I've never loved him before, and to serve him and walk obedient with him moment by moment for the rest of my life. His hands erased the literal debt I owed and placed a sign above my head saying not guilty. His hands restored relationships beyond what my mind could comprehend. His hands have given me the opportunity to live a life wholeheartedly sold out for him and for my children to witness God's delivering power. His hands, his hands were nailed to a cross for all of us. For our every sin, his hands bled. For every wrong word, for every wrong thought, and every wrong action. His hands can bring healing. His hands can bring forgiveness. His hands can bring victory over every wrong thing that enslaves us. In his hands, we can have life, freedom, closeness with God who created us. You see, he took up our weaknesses and carried our sorrows, and he was beaten and afflicted. He was wounded for our wrongdoings. He was crushed for our immorality. The punishment that can bring us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have wandered on our own paths. Each of us have turned away. And the Father laid on his son Jesus all of our sins. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, though he had done no violence nor had any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was God's will to offer Jesus and to allow him to suffer and make his life a sacrificial offering. But the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Jesus, the righteous servant, justifies many and made a way for us. He has poured out his life onto death and was numbered with the wrongdoers. He carried the sin of many and made forgiveness possible for all the wrongdoers. Call on him. Follow him. Take his hand. I'd like for you to remain seated.
And I'd like for our prayer team together around the front of the altar and those that shared their testimony, if you would come and stand with me this morning. Can we bring the house lights up, please? Prayer team, get in your positions to pray. I started out the message saying that I didn't prepare to impress you. I didn't impre- uh, prepare for perfection. Come on, Brianna, come right up here with me. We just want to be real. And what the Lord has done in these lives, the Lord will do in your life. It's been about, I'm guessing about 10 weeks ago. Brianna walked in here and the Holy Spirit drew me to her. And there was no joy, none. Zilcho. You know what zilcho means? Zilcho. And I just started loving on her. And she got saved. And I kept a tally in my head. And every week I would say, hey, two weeks in a row you've been here, didn't I? Then I'd say three weeks. And then I'd say four (laughs) weeks. And I don't know, it was around the fifth week she looked at me. She said, I've come too far to turn back now. You heard the testimonies of these others. And what the Lord has done for them, he's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for you, all right? I'll tell you what, why don't you just, I know you're not in a choir, but you are today. Go get with them. <laughs> every head bowed and every eye closed. I also said in the message when God takes up residence in your heart, in your home. He begins to point out flaws. That's the Spirit of God convicting. And also said if he's not a residence in your life that you would have that opportunity before you left here today. Right where you're at, I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. And there's nothing embarrassing about it. Right where you're at this morning. And you, maybe you don't understand everything about the Bible. Guess what? I don't either. But you got faith to believe or you wouldn't be here. And God loves you. And you are valuable. But there's also a devil that wants to destroy you. But God is here today. So right where you're at, if you have never prayed a sincere prayer and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, right where you're at, I want you right now to slip your hand as high as you can. Slip your hand. Say, today is my day, Pastor. Is there one? I see your hand, ma'am. Somebody else. Somebody else. Is there somebody else? Somebody else. Somebody else. It's hard to believe a crowd this size. Somebody else today. We're talking about eternity here. The most important question you'll ever be asked in your life, what will you do with Jesus? Is there another one? Slip your hand and say, today, I would like to give my heart, get my life right with God. Is there another? By raising your hand. If you've raised your hand this morning, and maybe not, it's not by the raising of a hand, but it's by the mouth, by confession. And you believe in your heart that Jesus was crucified and resurrected on the third day. 
you believe that he's the only way, then pray this prayer with me this morning. Lord Jesus, today I humbly come before you, Lord, and I ask you to forgive my list, that you would cover my sins, that you would blot them out, abolish them, cast them as far as the east is from the west. And I acknowledge that you are the King of Kings and you're my Lord and my Savior. And from this day forward, I do my very best to live for you. As every head is still bowed and every eye is closed, you as a born again believer, as a Christian, is there anything that the Spirit of the Lord has brought to your attention today? And when you leave here today, you don't only want to leave in your new clothes and your new shoes and but you want to leave in the righteousness of God, being in right standing. You want to be cleansed. You want to have a new heart. You know what's going on in your life, and it will not remain a secret. If there are struggles in your life, bring it to light and ask the Lord to forgive. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real high all over the auditorium? Well, as they begin to minister to us in song and as we all stand at this time, we have a prayer team that's willing to pray with you. And I just believe there's something powerful about taking a step out of your seat and walking to an altar and praying. Now, if you don't want anyone to pray with you, you just come to the altar. But if you'd like somebody that's been trained, that's spirit-led to pray with you, come. Would you stand with me this morning? Please, I want to encourage you, if you raise your hand, bring it to the altar. It's like bringing it to the cross and asking Jesus to nail it to the cross. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. May 1st at 6 p.m. the Isaacs will be with us. You can get tickets at jccwd.org slash Isaacs or call the general office.